What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Verzi Effect Podcast Show. My name is Paul Verzi, and today is Thursday, February 20th, 2014, and you guys listening to episode 149. That's right, man. We are one away from 150. Uh, and I have good news and bad news. That Well, the bad news is that I am doing this. I know I did one last Thursday, and I'm doing it now Thursday, so it is a week, but um, I should be doing them at the beginning of the week. However, the good news is the reason why I'm doing this is because I'm planning to get back on schedule when I'm out of the country in Canada. So I'm going to do this one, and then I'm having a quick turnaround. There will be episode 150. We'll be back up for Monday night because I like to have these out by Monday. Uh, okay. So you'll get one now and then Friday, Saturday, Sunday, boom, four day turnaround. I'll be back on track. And then I got to do it that way because I'm going to be out of the country for a while. So, um, look at it like that. Here we go. A lot of cool stuff to talk about here on episode 149. Um, I just got a text message, which interrupted the flow of the beginning of the show, but that's okay. Um, Got a lot of stuff to talk about. I want to talk about last night, uh, last night's show, um, travel, just just an amazing night on uh, an awful day, one of the worst days I've had, crazy shit. I want to talk about um, some, what do we got to talk about here, uh, movies, got a lot of stuff, I had a little, you know, had a little um, Al Pacino discussion, so we're going to talk a little Al Pacino with movies, he's one of my favorites of all time, one of the greatest of all time. Uh, I'm gonna talk. I got uh, gonna talk about Disney movies that the kids are watching. Uh, got a lot of stuff to talk about. Got uh, you know, unacceptable. Got um, you know the whole thing. So we'll, we'll get into it. And um, here we go. So last night, I want to get right into this here. Last night, I go to. Um, I have to perform. Opening for Bill Burr. This is actually the first time I worked with Bill uh, so far, 2014. But worked with Bill over at the um, legendary uh, The Round, the theater at Westbury in Long Island, and it's in The Round. Um, and for you people that don't know what The Round is, it's basically the theater is circular and you're standing in a little circle in the middle of everybody around you. So your back is always to a thousand people, you know, no matter where, how you slice it, your back is always to a couple thousand people or whatever is, uh, I believe it sat like 2,800 real intense, awesome room. They're right on top of you. I did it with Bill a couple of years ago. It was a blast. And, um, and last night was, was actually better. It was the place just rocks. And, uh, I'm not going to lie. It was amazing. It was a s- unbelievable show. Uh, it really was. So anyway, uh, I'll get into the show. I'll get into all that stuff, but um, so yesterday, uh, is, uh, Wednesday and Wednesday I have both of my kids, you know, I have, um, my son doesn't go to daycare on Wednesdays and I obviously have my little girl even when he does. So I have both kids, uh, Stacy's at work, uh, she's at work. So I'm, I'm home with them and, you know, for all the snow that we got here in New York, we got like, I mean, we just got pounded. I mean, everybody on the East Coast knows. I and mean, we were getting six to nine inches. It felt like every other day for two weeks. I mean, it just never let up. At one point, I think like the areas that were never shoveled or touched, there was just like two feet of snow, two and a half feet of snow. And my driveway is so big and long. 
that when it gets plowed, a lot of parts of it, like, you know, the, you can't get it all with the plow. You know what I mean? So there's just too much snow. Anyway, long story short, my brother, I gave my brother my car because I have a six cylinder, took his car, which was a better commuter car because, you know, last month I drove, I was out in Baltimore and Cleveland and Boston and all these places driving. So I figured if I'm driving, I'll get better gas mileage or whatever. So I took his car, he took my car. Um, and his car is getting, gets stuck in my driveway. So we had one car up, like making sure it was on the ground, you know, with no ice, but the other car was a little lower in the, in the driveway where there was like a layer of like snow underneath the tires and one tire would get stuck and spin and the other tire would get stuck and spin. So yesterday my wife obviously takes the truck so she could get to work. So now I got this four cylinder fucking Nissan, this piece of shit, right? And I got to get out of there. I have to either drop the two kids to my mother's or I needed somebody to come to the house. I couldn't get the car out. I was in rough shape. So I uh, call up. I call up my mom uh, who's in upstate New York and I go, hey, mom, I'm going to drop the kids off. If that's cool. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. I can't get the car out. Let me try to get the car out first before I start, like, you know, let me just at least see if I could get it out. So it's early in the morning. But I got a four-year-old and a one-and-a-half-year-old. Now, my son, he could sit and watch my daughter and, like, knows where she could go and where she can't go. And I'm in and out every, like, two, three minutes. But, like, at the end of the day, I'm a responsible adult. And I, I got to be, you know, I got to make sure that I'm not leaving them in there for a long time. So I go out. The tires are just spinning. I can't get the car. The car's not going anywhere, Okay. And I'm trying to keep my cool. I'm trying not to scream fuck. I'm trying not to punch windows. I'm trying not to make, you know, have the neighbors think, holy shit, this psycho just moved next door. This guy's, in, you know, insane. I'm trying everything I can to hold, hold it together with patience and everything. And I'm understanding that, you know, when there's a will, there's a way. You're going to get the car out and, and you're going to figure it out. But it's really stressful because... I'm like, all right, even if I do get the car out, now I got to get the kids somewhere. And what if I get the car out a certain time, but it's too late to drive the kids upstate New York right now? Okay, so then what? Then I can't have anybody come here. So my only other option is maybe I can, on the way down to the city, because I was picking Burr up, because Burr was staying at his apartment in the city. Okay, so I was going to pick Bill up, and me and Bill were going to go, obviously, from the city through Midtown Tunnel, which I didn't even know was through Midtown Tunnel, but through Midtown Tunnel, Queens, and Long Island, and get to this theater which was at 8 o'clock. So I go out, car spinning, okay? I can't do shit, and, and, and I'm like, I don't know what to do. So I didn't have any sand. I didn't have any fucking thing to do anything, you know, put anything there. So I go, all right. Someone's like, use hot water, you know? And it wasn't too cold outside, so, like, the water wasn't going to freeze. So it was a good time to use, like, boiling or hot water because it was, like, high 30s. So the water starts to work. I start putting hot water. Now I'm running out of my house with pots of hot water. My kids are downstairs and I have to do this quickly. So I'm like wobbling back and forth from my from my door down my walkway, which is kind of long, down two stairs into the driveway. I'm dumping water. Okay, I got brand new like Nike Air Maxes because I, I didn't have time. To, I didn't want to fucking lace up these boots. I just wanted to throw sneakers on. I got like brand new $115 sneakers and they're just getting soaked and ruined. But I didn't give a shit. I just need to get the car out. 
So I'm putting water behind the tires, and all of a sudden it's starting to work. And I'm, I got one pot running, another pot's in my hand, and I had this whole three pot, three big like spaghetti sauce pots of hot water that I'm running, I'm rotating back and forth, all while running in and looking at my kids, making sure they're all right. Saying to my son, Lucas, you got her? You got her? Okay, cool. And he was cool, man. They were just watching TV. Like, they were kind of mesmerized. But at the same time, you know, you never know. Like, you can't leave a kid alone for, at all. So I, I was making sure that they were all right. But if I don't get the car out, nothing happens, you know. Like, daddy's got to work. Daddy's got a big show. Daddy's got to make money. That You know, all this shit's going on. And I got to drop the kids off, you know. So... I'm stressing, man. I'm running out with pots of water. And every time I would take a step out of the door, water would spill. So I'm spilling water on my jacket, on my fucking hands. I'm soaking wet. It was an absolute nightmare. But it starts working under the tires. So finally, I get the car to budge out of the ice and start moving. And I start getting it out. And I'm psyched. And all of a sudden, it just slides to the right. And it's back on top of more ice and snow. So now I'm like parallel to where it just was before sunk in it so I got to start over with the water okay so I'm running back and forth and at one point I come in and I the pot wasn't low enough in our sink so I had water spilling on my kitchen sink I run inside I'm soaking wet I look my daughter is chewing the top of a fucking Cheerios box so I'm going, no, no, baby, you can't eat that. You can't eat the box. She's just eating the fucking box. So I got that going on. Water is everywhere, all over me. The car's sliding. Now I'm really starting to, now it's starting to boil, man. Now I'm just like, this is, I, I, I can't, I don't even know what to do. I got water everywhere. I'm slipping, I'm sliding. It's a nightmare. So I get the car out again and I get it and I get it out and all of a sudden it's going back and I'm like 15 yards behind the stuck spot and it slides and one tire gets stuck again and I got to move it forward because I can't go back so I move it forward and when I move it forward it gets stuck again. This happened everybody literally for two and a half to three hours while I'm running in checking on the kids with water. I just had hot water all over this thing. Finally get it out and get it done by like three o'clock. Now, I have a show, an 8 o'clock show in Long Island. Still got to drive to Manhattan. So no one in my family could come down. I'm like, can somebody come here and watch the kids? Nobody can, Nobody could come now. It's too late. So my wife is like, well, why don't you drop her to my, you know, why don't you drop them to my mother's in Jersey? I'm like, I don't want to go over the bridge and then come back and then go through another thing. You know, so I'm like, look, how about I just, how about I just go to your job? I'll drop them at your job. And... So much stuff. I, I I get him in the car. I forget something. I got to run in the house. I mean, it was just like my mind was so... The craziest thing was I'm performing in front of about 3,000 people in a couple hours, and I did not even think of the show. Like, the show was just like, oh, I got a show tonight, you know? And that's fine. I mean, I've been, I've, I've been to... I perform, you know, every night in a city. I perform at big venues. I'm not saying that to sound like, you know, arrogant. Right? I mean, I take my job seriously. And no matter how big or small the show is, I obviously want to deliver, you know, what I do. So I just wanted to prepare for it, though, you know? Because even though I've been to big venues like that, I need time. But I didn't have time. I didn't have time to even think, you know? And I'm, I want to do some new jokes and all kinds of stuff, so... I get the, um, I get the kids in the car. I got to run in, make sure that I got the, you know, then, oh, then I got my cats running. I got to get the cats. I got you know, I got to make sure the cats have the food. I mean, it's just anything and everything that could go wrong or be frustrating and, or annoying to run back in the house. Forgot this, forgot that all of that shit happened. 
Like I got, I got, you know, shower towels in my kitchen floor because what it was a, fu- it was a nightmare. And all I'm thinking is, how am I going to do this? So Burr was like, "Hey man, you, you know what time you think you'll be down here?" And I was like, oh, "You know," I told him. I said, "I'm going to try." So I get to my wife's job around five o'clock, and now I got to speed because I need to get down. I want to get down to you know, um, Manhattan before six, because it's about a 40 minute drive from Manhattan to Long Island. We got an eight o'clock show. So I speed out of my wife's job. I'm excited that I got out of there and rush hour kind of didn't happen yet. And it's a Wednesday. So it wasn't as crazy as a Friday where people get out early. So I'm like, man, this is cool. I could, I could get over to Tappan Zee bridge quick and, and get right down to the city. And like right when I start cruising and everything is good, I'm looking and feeling for my phone and I don't have my phone and I left my phone at my wife's job. So now I spin around and then I just scream. I slap the steering wheel or slap my hands. I go, fuck, just one of those days. So I spin around, I go back, I get the phone, I rush out of there. I still don't have too much traffic. It's a little worse. That five minutes was crucial and... And I'm in traffic, and I'm in traffic, and I'm trying to get to Manhattan. I get to Manhattan, I finally get to Bill, probably like 45 minutes later than I thought I would. And then me and Bill sit in two and a half hours of traffic getting to the gig, and we get to the gig like 20 minutes before it starts. There's like fucking 3,000 people, and wait, almost 20-something hundred people there already, lying out the fuck, you know, out the parking lot, and we're just sitting there. And I couldn't, and I just needed like 10 minutes to myself to kind of go over my set, make sure, you know, I, I kind of got the new jokes where I wanted the new jokes. I was starving. All all this happening, I don't. I didn't eat, so it was just really, really not ideal, you know. Not to mention Burr's fucking rider for the green room. I always make fun of it, and it's just he's fucking. He's got like he's healthy, so it's like you know, it's like carrots and celery and shit back there. So uh, <laughs> I'm like chewing on these carrots, and I'm drinking water before the show, and um. And a buddy of mine showed up and, you know, we were hanging in the green room and I, you know, got ready to go out there and I got announced and I go out there to 2,800 people. And I got to tell you, I had some of the, one of the most, most fun sets I've had in, in, in my career. I just had so much fun. Those people were rocking. That place was insane. You know, just right on top of you, man. Like there's almost 3,000 people just right there. It's this intense middle circle that you're just standing in there right there in your face there's no like it's there's no distance there's no dark you could actually see a lot of the people it was insane um and it was awesome and then um bill went out and bill had one of the best sets i've ever seen i mean you know call me biased i know he's my friend but i gotta tell you i i've opened for bill in almost every theater and in america Okay, with the exception of Boston and, and Chicago and a couple of other places. I've opened for like every major theater, known famous theater. I've been with that dude. And I got to tell you, man, last night I was one of the best. Like, he's doing his bit. I don't even want to give it away because his album, you know, he's going to do it on his next special. But, I mean, his, his fucking, I mean, it, it's just, it was such another level. I was just watching. I was like, man, that was amazing. The whole place, the whole thing was great. And, um... And we got paid, and then finally things started coming together, feeling all right, and we drive to Manhattan. 
we go to my favorite cigar bar, which Bill saw for the first time yesterday, and his face lit up. We were out on Park Avenue smoking a cigar at this lounge, and they had a band, and I had this, I, I honestly, like, had the most, the strongest cigar that I've ever had in my life. You know, I smoke cigars now, and, uh, you know, I try not to get too much. I, you know, I used to smoke like, I used to smoke like three a week. Now I'm trying to smoke like maybe one or two a week, you know, but I love cigars and good ones. And, um, you know, if you're thinking about getting me a gift, I mean, I know they don't last more than two or three days, but I'm a cigar guy. And, you know, so we're sitting there and we're smoking this cigar and we look, there's a menu, like this place has a menu, pages, many pages menu of, of cigars. And I, you know, since I've been smoking them a while, I was like, I want something a little stronger and like, you know, Burr was like, yeah, let's let's get this one. And it was kind of an expensive one and we get it and it comes back dark. And the darker the leaf, the darker the cigar, the more strong it was. And I'm not kidding you, it knocked us on our ass. Like we're cigar smokers and we smoked this cigar and I swear to God, it was a Padron. It was a Padron cigar. And um, as a matter of fact, Carmelo Anthony is a member of where we went last night. He goes in there and smokes cigars and Padron is all he smokes too. Which, you know, which, yeah, which probably explains the fucking... 12 games 12 games under 500 but um this thing was so strong that i honest to god after two puffs we were looking at you like Can we even handle this like i w we felt high i felt high i literally i felt high i was like i felt like holy shit man like i'm so relaxed right now like if i did have one drink and we didn't drink it was a really tough test too but i'm thinking to myself if i did have a drink all i would need is one this thing kept me lightheaded the whole night it was unbelievable like it was so strong that anymore i would have been sick like this it wasn't the most intense thing but it was delicious we had a great time and um you know and then after that we got some street food we got you know we got the the egyptian guy with the street with the meat truck in the you know at one o'clock in the morning on, on the street and we did that and then we just fucking hung out it was uh it was it was uh, an unbelievable night but just such a, an incredible day where like you know nothing was going right I, I didn't know what to do I, I didn't know what to do with the car I didn't know what to do with the kids the water just all all kinds of things forgetting my phone the, the traffic you know and then you get on top of everything oh that oh everything and then all the stuff that I was doing and revving the engine to get the car out and I had to, I went to make sure that I got to a gas station because the car got on E because of all the gas that I was wasting and yeah so to have that amazing night of stand-up and then to go and sit with my buddy and, and have a cigar, which the cigar made me so fucked up. I swear to you, the cigar was so intense that I, I was like, I think I need a, a, you know, a designated driver. And Bill was just laughing. He's like, yeah, that was, that was nuts. Like, I feel like I, I feel like I smoked a joint. It was just, it was insane. So sorry if you're bored listening to that story. If you hate cigars and you don't like stand-up, um, you probably don't give a shit about the first 18, 19 minutes of this podcast. But if you do, I hope you enjoyed that because that was my day yesterday. And you should be so lucky to have somebody be able to tell you a long, drawn-out story like that and keep it entertaining. Now, and shout-out to my buddy Chris Lamberth. You guys know Chris. Chris came out to... Uh, Chris actually came out to the show at Westbury and he uh, he announced the show and uh, announced me, brought me to the stage and stuff through the mic and uh, it was great. Great hanging with a buddy for, you know, cool stuff like that. And um, that's something important to do real quick. You know, uh, you know, I, I want to say I always talk, you know, comedy a lot and um, how I feel, but it's 
there's a fine line between watching too much comedy where you could maybe sound like somebody else or, you know, a, a, a bit gets planted in your head and you watch it so much and then, like, you subconsciously kind of, like, it's not good to watch too much comedy because sometimes somebody else, somebody else's voice could get planted in your head or they could say something and you're like, oh, well, I had an idea, but it's like this and, and, and it's similar. So it's really not good that way. But it, it, it's also, but you need to know that and just try to be your own original. You don't have to worry about that. If you're original and you're talking about stories and stuff in your life, then you don't have to worry about that. But um, watching like the same comedian all the time can cannot be good for you, um, you know, because your voice and everything like that. Like I know comedians that say, oh, I don't listen to that podcast because I listen to that guy all the time and I started to sound like I'm on stage. So stuff like that. But it's so good for comedians that are trying to get to another level to go and be around that level. You know what I mean? Like, and it's all relative, you know, it's like. Some people look at me and I'm like, uh, you know, I'm like, you know, I'm doing well. I feel like I'm becoming a good comedian and, 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 but I feel like I have all this other work to do, but then there's people under me looking up to me and then there's people, you know, at my level looking up to, you know, guys that are five, 10 years ahead of me, like seeing like what, you know, guys like, you know, just insane comedians that have been doing it for, you know, 20 years, you, you, you look up to them. So um, it's all relative, but being around it, you know, go to the best, where, whatever city you're in in comedy, go to where the best comedians in that area are and hang out or, you know, try to get up and see where you're at and that or be around it. So, um, that's, that's definitely something that's important to do. So that was, that was yesterday. Um, another thing that happened this week and I definitely made it my business to, uh, to write this down for the podcast today to talk about, but, um, I had to do it. I have to do it. Uh, to, unbelievable um tonight show first night jimmy fallon shout out jimmy fallon and all them um you know i just jimmy fallon comes into the stand a lot and i never you know i uh, i wasn't there when jimmy was there talking to my managers coming in there he lives right around the corner from the stand and he pops in and stuff and i didn't have the pleasure of sitting talking with him but you know some of my friends that you know know him and talk to him just like that guy you see on tv is really who he is he's a genuine great dude and the fact that the tonight show is back in new york i thought he did an amazing job and I'm not a late night guy. I don't stay up. I mean, when I, I mean, I'm a late night meaning stay up, but I don't stay up and watch late night too much. You know, if I have a friend perform and stand up on one of them and stuff, you know, I'll stay up and watch and you know, say hey, great set to my friend or you know, support him and stuff like that. But I'm not really like a guy that stays up and just watches it for the humor. But with the Tonight Show being back in New York, Rockefeller Center. You know, Jimmy Fallon, a guy that, you know, I grew up watching on Saturday Night Live. And Jimmy and I were uh, uh, both in, like, contests up in Poughkeepsie because he's from Saugerties. And when I started comedy, I lived um, in Wappinger Falls with my mom. So um, I did Hudson Valley's Funniest Comedian in, um, in the year 2000. And um, the paper up there, the Poughkeepsie Journal, was talking about how his, uh, you know, his comedy roots are deep up there, where he started, and he did a contest up at Bananas, which is a club I play all the time. So, uh, you know, it, it was just, you know, seeing that and, and knowing that um, a guy like that coming from where he came from and having the success he's having, it's awesome, man, and um, it's great for comedians in New York too because it's here, and you know, you want to get in front of that, and that's a, a sick dream. Um, to, to, 
I mean, well, hosting it is an insane dream, but just performing on, having, like, being able to perform on late night in New York, because so many times you got, I mean, you'll go anywhere, you'll fly to, you know, to do it, because it's great, but New York, man, The Tonight Show, it, it's, it doesn't get better than that, and he did a great job, and I watched it and genuinely liked it, super talented, so, um, you know, I don't know, I don't want to shit on Jay Leno, because Jay Leno was there for a long time, and he had a great run, but I just feel like, from all the things I've heard about Johnny Carson, I feel like Fallon is uh, somebody that can kind of get close to that. Um, And I loved how he was just honest and talked about his daughter and his family and was really honest up front. Um, Another thing I liked about it was when he first came out and he said, thank you, it's amazing to host a Tonight Show. And then he said, my daughter's here. If you noticed his opening monologue, if you watched it, he was speaking with emotion but holding it together but you can tell if he wanted to really think about it like you could tell he was kind of overwhelmed with it and um i i had a similar thing i don't want to compare myself to a guy that's hosting the tonight show but i do remember when bill burr put me on the the put me and joe DeRosa on the um carnegie hall show a couple of years ago and it was the first time my father had ever seen me perform in like in like 11 years and like he was at Carnegie and um my whole family my whole like immediate family it was just like the most intense night um you can go back to the Verzi effect archives and and look up that episode because I was really in detail about what that night was emotionally but I remember there was a moment on stage where it was just surreal because that night was surreal and I got out there, and there's whatever, almost 3,000 people in the most legendary fucking place you could perform. I, you know, it was overwhelming, but I got out there, and I had this, like, weird calm about it, and I started to talk about my son. And I noticed that when I started to talk about my son, I was overwhelmed that, A, I was talking about my son in front of that many people, but also the fact that it was Carnegie Hall and it was that legendary place and the love I have for my son and what being at Carnegie Hall with my best friend who's putting me on this show did. Like, I I felt at that moment, like, I got that emotional fucking, like, I thought, I swear to God, I I was like, I could, if I had to, like, cry right now, like, that, like, just, just welling up. And when, when Fallon came out and I watched him and his mom and dad were there and he's like, I got the Tonight Show, I just saw, like, and he was talking about my thing, he put his head down and I knew exactly what he was feeling in that moment. And I couldn't even imagine what it would be like to be hosting the Tonight Show doing that. I mean, I was doing a set at a legendary place, yeah, this guy is going to be there hopefully for the next 30 years and one of the most legendary titles in, in, in comedy ever, so... Um, I always, I definitely wanted to talk about that, talk about Fallon hosting it. I thought it was amazing, and uh, I wish uh, wish him luck. And, you know, Jimmy Fallon's the type of guy where, you know, Jimmy Fallon has walked into the stand and seen a comedian and liked a comedian. Of course, I wasn't fucking there that night, but uh, he saw a comedian. He likes really clean comedy, but he uh, he came in and he, he, see, he saw a comic, and he was like, hey, I want to develop a show with that guy. He gave the guy a shot for a sitcom. I mean, that's the type of guy he is. And, um, he's just, you know, so, um, yeah, it's, it's just, it's great. And uh, no offense to the out West. I'm not trying to be a dick. I'm not trying to be an East coast, New York dick, but the fact that it's back in New York is awesome. So, uh, I just wanted to mention that on the show. And I could tell you, if you guys are not into comedy, you probably tapped out like 10 minutes ago. Uh, if you, if you're into comedy, you're probably, I hope you're interested, but if you're, not, if you're not, you're like, all right, fucking, what's he going to get to? Okay. So let's get to some funny stuff or some funnier stuff. 
Well, no, fuck that. That was funny. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. Was it always gotta be? I always gotta be joke man. Sorry, I'm sipping my iced tea here. You know I love my iced tea during my show. Now, we're talking yesterday about worst ways to die. Okay, so we're going to get into worst ways to die. Then we're going to do unacceptable. Holy shit, I thought I had that written down. All right, worst ways to die. We're talking about, I was talking about the guy, there was an Indian guy who got swallowed like whole by an like a 40-foot anaconda. Like the guy was a homeless guy, he was like passed out drunk or something outside of a liquor store and he got he got swallowed whole by an anaconda. Like his body shape was in the body, like you could see the human body. Like his corpse was in the fucking belly of this fucking, you know. And I said hands down that has got to be the worst way. To, first of all, I mean, think about this guy's legacy. This guy's legacy is not only is he, was he homeless, okay? So not only was it bad when his peers and family talked about how he turned out, then they got then the way he died, like that's probably leaving the worst legacy ever. And especially what if his like other, what if his like, you know, the guys before him and his family like were great men or did something great. You know, a guy died in a war, you know, he had an uncle who died in a war, he had, you know, his father and grandfather were like heroes, you know, and then they're like talking about him, like, yeah, man, he's homeless and he died brutally, and like, wow, how'd he die? Was it, what, is it, like, the summer, was it too hot? Did he not have a place to stay? Like, no, fucking anaconda swallowed this guy whole outside of the liquor store he gets drunk at. Like, that. that's just, like, how ironic is that, too? Like, he was drunk, like, he was probably a drunk Outside of a liquor store in India, and he was probably like the bum that they just kicked out and go get out there. And they're thinking alcohol is gonna kill him, and then a fucking giant serpent just swallows him. That is the biggest nightmare. I'm getting the chills just thinking about it. That is the sickest thing ever. Some people were like, Burr had a good one where he was like, no, getting tied up and then like fed your genitals. But I gotta tell you something. Listen, if you cut my dick off. I thought about this. I'm not even kidding. And this is a bad one. But if you cut my dick off, shoved it in my mouth, then cut my head off, so my decapitated head with my dick in my mouth is laying there, that might I may take that over getting fucking swallowed whole by a snake. Like where people could see like the outline of my Nikes in the snake's belly. Fuck that. You know? Okay, fine. It sucks. Hey, why wow, to cut the guy's dick off and put it in his mouth? Like that's rough. That's a really rough... That's a really rough way to be for, to have that happen, <laughs> but but swallowed whole by a snake. First of all, I'm afraid of snakes, so that's like the ultimate. Because at least if it's, listen, if a shark gets you, you know it's probably quick shock. You know you bleed out. First of all, you're probably in shock, and the shark bites down with like 18 tons of pressure or something like that. All those Shark Week stats. You know that you learn. So, so, so the shark is going to bite down on your leg, right? It's going to probably sting and hurt for one second. You're probably going to go into complete shock because you're pouring so much blood out. You're going to get pale, dizzy, faint, and then you're done. So, it probably happens in like, let's say, like a violent, let's say, like in one violent minute, it's really fucking rough for you, and then you kind of just probably fall, like you bleed out, and you sleep. Okay, yeah, and it's awful. You're in the water, and there's a shark. Fuck, it's awful. I get it, but. A snake is going to coil around you, crush you, and then swallow you whole, and then you're going to digest in its stomach for, like, weeks? Fuck that. 
worst way to go. Light me on fire, throw darts at me when you fuck. I don't give a shit what you do. I'm not getting eaten by a snake. Not getting getting eaten by a snake. That's 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 why I don't go to fucking weird places. I'm not doing it. I'm not going in your backyard and doing that. You know, these fucking guys want to run around and start hugging lions and shit because they raised it from a. You know, I'm not doing it. Okay, you're in the you're in its backyard. That is their that is their territory, and if they get hungry or they want something, if something goes wrong, you're fucked. You know what I mean? God rest his soul. But the, you know the crocodile hunter guy. You know he 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 played with fire. You know, I mean, fortunately for him, you know, I heard that he didn't suffer and it was quick because it was a stingray and it wasn't uh, an alligator. You know, which people probably thought that that's what it would be or a crocodile, but. You know, still, you can't, at the end of the day, you can't be around that stuff. Like, you can't be laying, like, listen, if, you, if you're if you in India and you know that there's fuck, or wherever it is, wherever he was, one of those fucking places that have, put it this way, if you're living in an area that has a 40-foot anaconda possibility, okay, you don't sleep on the floor as a homeless guy, okay? Because a 40-foot anaconda can swallow like a hippo, okay? It's going to definitely be able to swallow a 120-pound skinny Indian drunk guy who's passed out. You know, first of all, that should be grounds to not be homeless in, in, in wherever that area is, okay? Be like, yeah, man, I'd be sleeping on the corner if that fucking gigantic snake wasn't slithering around, so I figured to put my resume out there, you know? <laughs> I got, I, I'm getting a job because this thing's not eating me. Let me know if you could think of something worse, Okay. Something worse than a anaconda, a, gi- a giant, a, like a super giant, violent snake swallowing you whole. If somebody can honestly tell me something worse than that. Think about it. A bear, they go for your jugular. They rip it quick. That's it. You know? I mean, it'd be bad if, like, a gorilla beat you to death because you'd probably try to fight as long as you could. I mean, that'd be bad and fucking bludgeoned and stuff. That would suck, actually. But, you know, just a snake, the way it just opens its mouth and just would fucking bring you in and bring you in. Oh, God. Awful. Um, so let me know. And speaking of letting me know, I asked you guys what movies were shitty that were good, like, Bad, good movies. Movies that are bad, but you're going to watch. And uh, I think we had a couple here. Let me just... I'm going to look here. that We we had a couple here. So I'm going to talk about them. And then we could go into movies. Yeah, then we'll go into movies and we'll do the unacceptable. Okay, let's see what we got here. Bad. You know what was a bad one that I thought but it was good? Uh, Adventures in Babysitting. Remember that? With Elizabeth Shue? You know, now you look at it and it seems kind of weak and easy, but like, you know, it's still really a fun, good, good one to watch. I thought that one. Hold on, man. Where is this shit? All right, here we go. Oh, my friends over at the Hey My Man podcast. David Stein. Who's that? David and Ben over there. Those guys. Those guys are good guys, man. I like those guys. They, uh. They support me in the show, and uh, I support their show. And by the way, those guys, hey, if you guys are listening, um, David and and, uh, Ben, and if you guys are listening to my show right now, 
Um, or when you are, you, it wouldn't be right now because I'm still recording. That'd be really fucking weird and you would be creepy as shit if you were listening to this right now because that would mean my house was tapped or you were looking at me and that would be, that would kind of end the podcast friendship. But um, no, uh, you guys asked if I you wanted to do questions or something. Any Listen, anything you guys, anything you guys want to do. Uh, I like answering questions and having fun. And, uh, you know, there's a few podcasts that I, I am the Verzi Effect is friends with. Like if there were a couple of podcasts hanging out, you know, I like the guys over at Hey My Man, obviously Fixing Joe. Um, you know, there's a few of them that, that are, are fun, uh, you know, so, um, I mean, uh, Burr's podcast is great. I mean, I, I don't listen to a lot of other podcasts, though, just because I have two kids and my fucking piece of shit brother's car gets stuck in you know a centimeter of ice but so the hey my man podcast guys we did bad movies that are good barry gordon's last dragon i did not see that windy city i did not see that i'm sorry i know those guys are probably pissed the toy good one uh kentucky fried movie i really can't remember and i i didn't see it in its entirety um but yeah no i know those movies are like there are certain movies that make you feel good, even though they're shit. It's weird. It's like and and it, yeah, it just brings you back to a place like we talked about last time. But uh, thanks for getting back. I had some. Wait a minute. I wrote some. What did I write here? I wrote one. Let me see. Oh yeah, we got to talk some movies because we got to talk some Pacino, and I got to talk some of this Disney movie stuff because I'm looking at these Disney movie plots, and I'm just like I don't. Okay, let's see. Congrats, Jimmy Fallon. Best Tonight Show I ever saw. It was. It really was. Um, okay, bear with me here. Okay, yeah. Oh, the new guy. Yeah, the new guy with that with that uh, that weird skinny looking kid who was in Road Trip. Uh, that was like the new guy was one of those movies. Like this is terrible, but it's kind of funny. There's a lot of them. Right when I'm done the podcast, I'm probably going to think about like four or five movies. You know, it was one that wasn't bad. It was it was like his worst movie. But if there's something about it that I liked is um, National Security with Steve Zahn and Martin Lawrence. I thought that that was pretty good. Just some of the things Martin Lawrence says are so over the top and ridiculous. And that, of course, you guys know MacGruber. MacGruber. I mean, I don't even consider MacGruber a bad movie. MacGruber was, was so ridiculously funny that I hope they make another one. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll, if I think of more during the press of this podcast, I'll let you guys know. But, um, so let's go into movies. We'll go into movies now. We'll do that. And then, you know what sucks? I'm not even going to lie to you guys. I had an unacceptable cause I was thinking of a different one to do and I had it and I was like, all right, now I could do the show. Cause I was just thinking of the unacceptable that bothered me this week. And then I started doing the show and I looked at the page and I didn't write it down. So now I'm going to be thinking about what the unacceptable for the week is, and I'll get it. I will get it with a smooth transition, and if I don't, I'll come clean, okay? Here we are, episode 149. I am the host, your host, Paul Verzi of the Verzi Effect Podcast. One episode shy of 150, which is coming and will be recorded by Monday night, everybody, Okay? Take that to the bank unless I am sick or unless I get Knicks tickets, which I'm not going to. 
and I go down to the garden and they win, which is not going to happen. Or I go down to the garden, get really excited, and they lose, and I come home late, and then I can't do it. I'm going to get this thing out there. 150 will get us back on track. Uh, here we go. Movies. We're talking about we're talking about Al Pacino yesterday, and I'm going to go and say that Pacino. Two of the greatest scenes I've ever seen in movies was Pacino's face. And I can't remember if I talked about this in the Verzi Effect podcast before, but Pacino's face when he was in the restaurant in The Godfather, minutes leading up to him shooting the policeman and um, you know the 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 boss against his family, um, when he's just sitting there and he's thinking and he's looking around. It's one of the finest acting things I've ever seen. I like it was so ridiculous on how he's just kind of looking around, and then right, you know, right before he asks to go to the bathroom, he knows he's going to kill him, so he's kind of not really paying attention. And the way he's looking around just seems so realistic and amazing. The fact that he didn't win an Academy Award for that just lets you know it's politics, and you got to wait your turn. Because I mean, if you don't win an Academy Award for that, what you really when are you going to win one? You know, um, also the scene, well, there's a lot of scenes. The scene where she said she had an abortion was unbelievable. The scene where um, he's moving his father around in the hospital and the baker comes and they act like they got guns. That I mean, all of that stuff, I mean, it was just, it was so ridiculous. Um, and uh, I like De Niro, but I just think pound for pound is Pacino. I don't think De Niro could have done The Devil's Advocate the way that Pacino did it. I just feel like Pacino's a better actor. And um, I, I mean, listen, you're talking about, you know, you're talking about two of the most. I mean, you're talking Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and Bill Russell, whatever however you want to put those two. I mean, it's it's that they're that good. But I just feel pound for pound, I, I like Pacino um, better. You know, I thought that he's he's just just good in everything that he does, you know, uh, I just, you know, he's one of those guys when you watch him act, there's a few guys that when you watch them act, and, and no, I did not, I was going to go see RoboCop and talk about it, but I, I just, something about, like, RoboCop didn't make me want to go, RoboCop didn't make me say, I gotta go, you know, like, I could have went to the movies too, but I didn't, you know, I just... There's something about Samuel L. Jackson just yelling shit. Have you ever noticed that Samuel L. Jackson never whispers or talks low in anything? Samuel L. Jackson is always like, We have built a machine, motherfucker. Like, it's always just, it, it's it's never, he's never not yelling. And I get it. Pulp Fiction, he yelled at the kid. He had that great speech. But like, tell that bitch to shut the fuck. Say, be cool, bitch. You know, like, it's just, he's always... Playing that over, like not over the top, but loud. It's never a calm. He did like one scene, I think, where he was like at a bar in Jackie Brown, which was one of the worst piece of shit movies I've ever seen in my life. Jackie Brown, I remember I went into Jackie Brown after Pulp Fiction, me and my brother, and we were so excited. There were grown men sleeping and people walking out. It was one of the worst pieces of shit I've ever seen. As I said that, I just realized, well, what happens if I put out a special in a couple of years and Quentin Tarantino puts on Netflix and laughs and goes, that guy would be good for a movie. Oh, he's got a podcast? Let me just go through a podcast. Ah, let's check out episode 149. He's talking about Al Pacino, and then he hears me call his movie a piece of shit. I'm sorry. That was terrible at the time. 
What do you want me to tell you? Um, all right. Now, I was watching some movies. I'm sorry, I just kidding. I was watching some movies and um, with my with my kids, and we have uh, a TV in our kitchen with just a DVD player. So if we're in the kitchen and we're just you know making lunch or like. Obviously, we don't have the TV on for dinner, but if we're making lunch or, you know, if I have something in the oven and the kids are up there, like, you know, in the kitchen drawing or doing something up there, we'll put on a movie. And we have a couple of movies in rotation, and one of them is A Little Mermaid. And I watched A Little Mermaid when I was a little kid. Little Mermaid was one that I liked because that was like a big popular one. You know, they weren't as good back then, like like Finding Nemo and and Cars and you know, planes and turbo and all this shit that comes out now, or whatever. That's just, just like on, that's like Disney movies on steroids. It's just insane. Back then, it was like you know the drawing was a little more primitive, but you know the stories were pretty. You know, Beauty and the Beast. She meets the fuck. You know, she meets this fucking gorilla, whatever he is, and then, you know, whatever the that beast was. <laughs> and then you know, the mermaid wants to be human. And I'm thinking, I'm watching Little Mermaid, I'm watching Little Mermaid, and like, I'm talking about this thing, we'll watch it probably six times a day, or just every time we'll go up in the kitchen during the day, like tomorrow, when I take my daughter up to make her lunch in the kitchen, we'll pop in, it'll be it'll be Little Mermaid. And I'm noticing, I'm just thinking to myself, like, how, like, how are, you know, a 16, she was 16 years old. So I realized that Ariel was 16 when she got married. When her father, King Triton, gives her the legs and she could, she goes to get married. She's 16 years old. You know? And it's just like, no way that marriage lasts. No way. Like, they should do, like, Little Mermaid fucking 10 or, like, Little Mermaid 20 years later. There's, they're divorced. You know? She's, like, going to the beach every day begging her dad for her, you know, for her gills back. She, there's no way that that would last. First of all, the dude she married, that Eric dude, he's got to be, he had to be in his, what, mid-20s when they got married, 28? So he's marrying a 16-year-old. I don't even know if that's legal. Okay, and, and by the way, they fell in love in like two days. You know, she was nosy. She poked her head up. She saw a guy that she liked, you know, that quickly. Like, a, a whore does that. Okay, then she gets her legs, and I'm thinking to myself, she's going to read about college and college is coming up, like her age and shit. I mean, unless she gets home taught. But, you know, she's going to she's gonna think about it. She's going to want to get like a sorority. She's going to go into a sorority or do something like that. One day, he's going to be out duck hunting with his butler. What was his butler's name? Grim. He's going to be out there duck hunting with his... And she's going to be like around this mansion like at 18 years old going, What am I doing with this guy? You know, this guy's, this guy's like almost 30 and he's just... You know, he's just going on ships and, and going duck hunting. Like, I got a lot of stuff I want to do. Like, he was actually the first human that I ever saw that was decent looking. There's a lot of other humans out there. Like, what did I do? You know? So, I don't know. I'm just, I was just watching and going, what kind of message is this sent? I don't even know if that's legal. She's 16. Like, that could be rape. You know, it all happened at the same time. So... I think a lot of those Disney movies too, like they, they're real. First of all, like Finding Nemo, the beginning of it was violent. The Barracuda eats the wife and all the babies except Nemo. Like that happened. Like my son was like watching it, looking around, going, "What happened to all the babies and everything?" And I'm like sitting there, like, "Ah, oh, there was an accident." I I don't know what to say to him. So, 
you know, I think a lot of the Disney movies, man, it's like it's not really for kids, kids. Or, you know, if you look at it, like what kind of message is a Little Mermaid sending to my daughter? That you could be 16 and just see some dude on a boat and be like, I love him. I love him. I want to be with him. And then I'm the bad king. If I'm like, no, you're going to school. Like, what are you talking about? What do you mean you love him? Like, I don't care if he's rich. Like, you know, he's, it's like you got to figure out who, like, you know. I mean, I know she sang, but, like, no matter how good your daughter's voice is, she's not going to sing once that some dude's going to fall in love with her, so. All right. That was my thought on the Disney movies. Okay. What else do we have to talk about? Sports. We got sports and uh, unacceptable and some plugs. Wow, 50 minutes in. 50 minutes in. And you know what that means, guys. When it, when the, when it goes quick, it means it's a good one. So, all right, sports. Uh, the USA hockey team for women, I actually watched the gold match. It was on today during the day, and um, I tweeted out that I got the same feeling. Every time the USA plays Canada, you get the same feeling when the Knicks play. They're like, oh, my God, the gold match. It's in overtime, free hockey for the gold, and you're excited, and you're like, all right, Sidney Crosby hit that goal, you know, last year, I mean, four years ago for the, you know, for the Canadians, and America lost. Now let's see what happens with the women, and the women I heard were winning, and they lost, and they were crying, and it's it's just you get your hopes up and then down. It's just the same exact thing as a, as a Knicks game. But the funniest thing was while they were getting their silver medals around their neck, they looked like they were getting executed or going to puke. It's like, I think they should wait a little bit. Like, the gold just went in the net, and then you just have them line up to get the silver. It's it's like, can you let them go and regroup and, like, come back in an hour? Or, fine, if the people want to see it, like, have, like, a 15-minute, another 15-minute intermission for the ceremony. The people that want to stay for the ceremony can. The people that want to leave, the teams could go in the locker room, maybe change, get their shit together. You know, it was just like, I mean, a couple of the Americans were smiling, getting the uh, silver around their neck, but some of them were just crying. It was brutal. It was brutal. Like, the Canadians are, like, up on the podium, like, smiling, like, uh, elated, and America just looks sick to their stomach. Awful. That was awful. Um, I watched the figure skating tonight, and I got to tell you, man, the women's figure skating, there's something peaceful about it. It's almost like watching fish ta- in a fish tank swim. You ever just watch fish in a tank swim and you kind of feel calm? The only time you get nervous is when they go for the triple axle because you're like, this is where they're going to fall. If they're ever going to fall, this is where they're going to fall. But other than that, like I was just like, I could just watch this. It's graceful. It's nice. I like it. I can't watch the dudes, and it's not a homophobic thing, but it's just like, you know, it's just not, you can't, like it's not It's not graceful to me. I mean, even though the dudes, dan- you know, skate, dance, or whatever it is good, like watching the w- women's um, figure skating was cool too. So, um, and I watched that, I saw that American girl that won the half pipe with the skis, the one that that girl was it Sarah, Sarah Walsh or something that the girl who passed away, God rest her. So that's awful. She got the, the game to the, she got the event to the games and, um, you know, and she couldn't be there obviously cause she, uh, she passed away after an accident, uh, practicing, um, I think in 2012 or something. And uh, but an American won it, and her mom was there supporting. So it was, it was pretty cool, um, pretty cool story. I mean, awful, but it's cool that you know that the way they're living on with her name and stuff. 
So I've been really into the Olympics, man. The Olympics have been, I've been enjoying and watching the Olympics more than I've watched pro sports and, you know, than that awful all-star game, which is just, I mean, the NBA all-star game and the NFL, it's just so bad. It's just, they should just stop it. It's unwatchable. It's unwatchable. Like I need Drake to come out, you know, and you know, that's, there you go. Unacceptable for the week. Boom. There it is unacceptable for the week is these pro athletes or these athletes coming out with these rappers and R&B singers and shit taking part in the all-star game. Okay, do I, I need to see Drake holding a basketball with his fucking hat tilted to the side? Come on, man. Go back to the days of, um, you know, go back to the days of what's it called? Dominique Wilkins and, and, and Michael Jordan, you know, uh, Vince Carter and stuff. All these guys bring a Shaq coming out sitting on a throne and the guys, you know, unacceptable at All-Star Game. I'm writing it in now. All-Star Game. Um, You know what I mean? Like the guy, and like they come out, guy came out with like a crown and, and a robe and Shaq came out and then Shaq sits in the throne and he jumps over his back and dunks. You know, at least when Nate Robinson won it for the for the Knicks, the dunk contest, at least he like like acted like he was Kryptonite and Dwight Howard was Superman and like they did it together. But it was them; it was their thing. You know what I mean? Or like if you want somebody to stand under the rim or do something, that's fine. But like to come out and it's just getting ridiculous. Blake Griffin jumping over a Kia, you know. But at least hey, and at least it was Baron Davis in the Kia. You know, it was his teammate. I mean, fucking Drake is coming out, like, holding something up. And they got, like, these rappers standing there. It's just so stupid, man. You know, John Wall was the only one with a good dunk when he when he had a good dunk. He, like, brought it low. He, like, you know, he, he, it was good. Like, he took it out of somebody. But it's like, don't bring a rapper out. You know, sit down. Like, like I get it. Fine. Celebrities want to be there. Sit down. You know, sit down and fucking, I don't, I don't want to see fucking Drake holding a basketball and then like nodding to the crowd like he did something. It's like, no, all you're going to do is have a bad concert there in a week, asshole. Stop it. It's unacceptable having these rappers and, and take part in this, okay? You're not going out to fight somebody. You're not doing it. You're dunking a basketball. Do it with some class and don't have some fuck. you know, some... Do you think people really give a shit that Drake is friends with somebody who's on the fucking, you know, Golden State Warriors or whoever? He doesn't. Or the Toronto... It doesn't matter. Stop it. Nobody cares. Nobody cares that you know Drake. Nobody cares that Drake's there. Nobody cares that a rapper's there. Nobody gives a shit. You know, it was even forced when Shaq was there. And then, like, Shaq is bowing and stuff. Stop it. Stop taking yourself so seriously, okay? Go back to making bad Buick commercials and and adding nothing to the TNT desk with Kenny Smith and Charles Barkley. Because, listen, Shaquille O'Neal is a dominant player. He's a dope. He, he, you know, he he just, like, the things he says and the smile. It's like, shut up, dude. Unacceptable. I'm not even mad at Shaq. I'm mad at the chair he sat in. That's how dumb it was. You know, the gimmicks, all-star weekends are unacceptable, except baseball, at least it means something now. Hockey is hockey, so I guess, you know, it's just like live and it's it's on ice, so it's different. But 
football happens after the season. Nobody cares. And the big game is the next week. So nobody cares. And it's just a joke. Nobody wants to get hurt. And the NBA, I mean, 140-something to 140-something. It's stupid. You know? And nobody cares. But the dunk contest, man. Come on. The dunk contest used to be, used to just get the best dunkers. And LeBron James, and this is part of the unacceptable. Like, I mean, you got to do it once, man. Kobe did it. Michael did it. You got to do it one time. You're fucking LeBron James. Just do it, man. You're going to win. He's going to win. He could, he could dunk more fierce than anybody. He could do anything. Just do it once and win it. Give the crowd something that they want. Have five or six of the best dunkers in the game. That's what this new commissioner should try to get done for next year. Just say, look, man, we just want to do this once just to kind of bring it back. It took John Wall to do like an old school, like regular Dominique Wilkins old school dunk for Magic Johnson to say the dunk contest is back because of that. Because everything else is just stupid. You know, what's next? Justin Bieber's gonna fuck Justin Bieber's gonna be walking out there, you know, with Matt Barnes next year. It's a joke. Unacceptable. Can't stand it. It's so stupid and dumb. You don't even know where to begin. You know? I don't need to see gimmicks. I don't need to see glow sticks. I don't need to see stickers. I don't need to see mascots. I don't need anything. I don't need anything. You know what? Go back to the day. Go back to where it was just a dude, a ball, and the hoop. Okay, remember Kenny Smith? Kenny the Jet, man, he threw it between his legs, bounced it off the back, but he was backwards. He looked backwards. He bounced it between his legs. He hit the backboard. He runs up. He comes up. He dunks. It was awesome, and you just get judged on that. Go back to the way it should be instead of all these stupid gimmicks. Sucks. Unacceptable. That's how I feel. All right? So, let's see here. What do we got? Yeah, we did sports. We did... Well, I didn't see a movie, but I want to see a movie. I'm gonna see one. I'm gonna see one soon. I talked about my horrible and then good day. Um, we talked about the Tonight Show. We talked about I think getting eaten by a snake is the worst. What else? Unacceptable. Drake and musicians and rappers hanging out at All Star Weekend and All Star Weekend just being a, an absolute joke. Now um, that was the unacceptable for the week. What did we do? We talked about Al Pacino and De Niro. Talked about The Little Mermaid. <laughs> this is a funny list. Think about that list. It went from a horrible to a day performing, Tonight Show, getting eaten by a snake, musicians at the All-Star Game, the Olympics, Pacino, De Niro, The Little Mermaid, and now we will do, um, we'll do some plugs, guys. I am... Um as I said before, we uh, oh I actually there's a couple of dates I think that I can plug now, but um, March first you guys know you can look at the dates on uh, my website and Bill Burr's website. But I will be spending 20 days out of the country starting on March first. Uh, doing uh, I will be doing like 20 plus shows in 19 days in Canada, so that's going to be insane. Uh, when I get back, I go out to Los Angeles and I will be doing the Monday morning podcast tour featuring myself, Jason Lawhead and Joe Bartnick and uh, dates that are already confirmed out there. I think March 31st is Largo. We will be at the Punchline in San Francisco on, I believe, I want to say the 7th and 8th of April. 
It's either the 7th and 8th of April or the 8th and 9th. I don't have it in front of me. We're going to be doing that. Um, we're going to be doing um, Sacramento, California, the Thursday after that. And then, um, I, I, then now we're waiting on dates in uh, Oregon, uh, waiting on dates in Seattle. So uh, I will obviously keep you guys posted and hopefully within a week we're going to have the whole thing done and we're going to have you know we already there's already a write-up about it and uh there's going to be some pictures there's actually i'll give you guys a little spoiler alert here one of the posters is the bg's outfits us three with our faces on the bg's with like these gold suits and it's really really funny um so Look out for that. That's that's coming too. And um, what else? Where am I? Uh, I think on the 25th I'm at the stand maybe, February 25th. What's tomorrow? What's today? The 21st? Yeah, I think on the 25th. And, um, and that's it for me. I'm going to be home spending time with my family before I go away for a long time. So I am not going to be doing much stand-up between now and March 1st. Uh, maybe one or two spots and I'm uh, just going to... Take my kids to the movies or my son to the movies and hang with my, my wife and my daughter and just um, try to get as much family time in as I can because uh, 20 days is going to be a long time away from these guys. And, um, you know, but I got the dogs and the guns ready. Got family coming over. My family's going to be, you know, they're going to be taken care of and there'll be company here. But, um, you know, we'll uh, we'll see. So... That's pretty much it. Um, it was it was a great time I had here with you people. You know, I really did, and I hope you enjoyed it. I really did. Next uh, next Monday, you guys are gonna get one fifty. So that's it. That's the show. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, please keep the comments coming on iTunes. Please follow me on Twitter at Paul Verzi. That is V I R Z I. I know I got new Twitter followers yesterday from the theater at Westbury. If you're listening to the show, thank you, and thank you for your kind words. I had a great time. Um, I'm trying to get a lot of Twitter followers this year. This is going to be the first year I'm not lazy with Twitter. Every year I slack. Like today I thought of like a couple of funny tweets, and normally I would just like not do it. I'm like, oh, let me do it. Let me keep tweeting. And you know what? I got more followers from it. So you got to, it's amazing. It's everything else. It's the balance of life, right? The balance of life. Worst day of my life yesterday. One of the best nights of my life. So what are you going to do? That's it. Keep the comments coming. Get me on um, Facebook and Twitter. And I will be back in four days for an episode 150. You guys are the shit. And um, I hope you think about me in this podcast next time you watch The Little Mermaid with whoever it is, your kids or your nieces or your nephews, and I make a good point. She says, Daddy, I'm 16 years old now. You can't tell me what to do. And he gives her legs within a day or so, and then she gets married. That's un—that's unacceptable, to be honest with you. All right, I'm out of here, guys. Take care. <laughs>